Welcome back to the Adventures of a Disney Dad podcast. My name is Matt Brandeber, and I am a dad of three and the founder of adventuresofadisneydad.com. I'm a travel agent with the Magic for Less Travel and the host of this podcast. I am joined by podcast contributor Chip Robinson, who is soon to be a dad of five. Chip, how are you? Oh, doing great. Doing great. How about yourself? I, I can't complain. Um, really excited. We have a really special episode planned tonight. We have a special guest joining us tonight. We're going to be talking about all things Halloween Horror Nights, from tips for first timers to tips for parents and families. We're going to be diving into all things Universal Studios of Florida, and we're going to chat about it all. To help us, we are joined by Holly Carter. Holly is a travel agent with the Magic for Less Travel, and she is an expert in all things Universal Studios. Holly is a Florida native. And I personally have not encountered anyone with the knowledge and expertise Holly has for Universal Studios. Holly, thank you for joining us. How are you this evening? I'm great, guys. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you tonight. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Universal generally and Halloween Horror Nights in particular doesn't get the podcast and content creation love that we maybe see with some of the Disney stuff. Would you agree with that, Holly? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a little it's a little unfortunate. So I'm excited to be able to dive into it and and talk about a subject that we don't you know necessarily see as often. The TikTok videos are sweet though. I mean, the the way the entrance is. I mean, it's creepy, but I love it. It's Every got, year when that gonna, medallion goes up, that that's when everybody gets really excited. It's got the definitely the virality of the cool social media videos, like the short clips, especially when they're all walking up to the entrance. And everybody's kind of waiting there. I, I think that's really awesome. I'm a huge Stranger Things fan, so I would love to be able to go at some point. But Holly, you you've been this year, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and have you done both? You've done tours and the general admission, right? Yep, and we have done also a an RIP tour, and I've also done the behind the screams tours. And we'll jump into kind of what those distinctions are and stuff. But like, can you give us like a a little bit of a background? I mean, I think. Halloween Horror Nights has been happening since like 91 or somewhere around there. Yep. You know, tell us a little bit of your history with Universal Studios and, and Halloween Horror Nights and what kind of drew you to it. Well, Universal Orlando has been doing Halloween Horror Nights all the way back since 1992. So one year after they opened the park and it was called Fright Nights that first year. And then the next year they switched it over to Halloween Horror Nights. My first year was actually in 2002. And that was a year that it was over at Islands of Adventure, which they don't really do that anymore. And one time and I was hooked and I go as much as I can ever since. Awesome. How is like, how has Halloween Horror Nights changed since you started going in 2002? It's gotten much busier. It's gotten much bigger of an event. Like when we first started going, I think there was maybe five houses back in 2002, if I'm remembering correctly. Now there's 10, several scare zones, live shows, which they have had live shows all along, but they, they've changed and morphed and it's just, it's, it's kind of snowballed. Holly, being a dad of four, soon to be five, what, what's the, what's the good age? Like, I know you're a mother. What's what's the what's the right age to take my so kids? So it, it's considered a PG thirteen event. I mean, it is it is not. I guess what you would call a family friendly event. Although you know, families are welcome. You just have to know your own children. It, it is Halloween horror nights. There's lots of horror. There can be lots of gore. Lots of jump scares. The only kind of jump scares you know are all over the place. So if you know, <laughs> you have to know your child really. I have three. 
Two of my three absolutely love it. The third one will probably never go. He wants nothing to do with it. And my kid, my the two that love it went right around the age of ten. Both of them. And so uh, it's PG thirteen, but there's no like age restriction or anything. It's more no. like parental control, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's just a guide to give people an idea so they know what to expect. We have seen people pushing strollers with little ones and stuff. And interestingly enough, they do offer child swap at the houses. So if you have a child that gets all the way up to there and says, "No, I'm not doing it," they'll they'll let you do the swap. Well, that's well, awesome. That kind of leads me. That leads me to my next question. Like, are there rides, or I, I know there's houses. Like, kind of, kind of go through that. Yeah, some of the rides are, stay open for the Halloween Horror Nights. Not really the kids' rides. It's going to be like Men in Black and The Mummy and Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket. I think that's about it. So it's, all, it's only the Universal. It's not the Island of Adventure. Then, right? Yeah, they did it at Island of Adventure a couple of times. Once it was they used both parks and they went back and forth between them. But the studios is a big circle around the lagoon. Islands of Adventure is much, it's a lot harder to control crowds over there. So that didn't really work out too well. So they decided to kind of bring it on home, keep it there. So before we jump into, you know, some of the, the more parent related questions that, that I have, get, can you kind of give us like a basic overview of what to expect when you go to Halloween Horror Nights? I mean, are you going at 4 p.m. and with there being 10 houses, should you expect to get through all 10? Are you mixing in rides? Are you mixing in food and drink? I mean, what what is your kind of ideal Horror Nights event? Well, my ideal night might not be the same as your ideal night. So depending on what your priorities are, that's what you'll want to decide before you kind of plan your evening. If, if it's all about the houses for you, you want to get through them all, you definitely want to take advantage of as much time as you can, whether that means you're in the park before. Okay. Let me back that up a little bit. So the park closes down at 5 p.m. on event nights. And then it, they do a lot of switch over because there's some things that, especially like in the scare zones, that <laughs> they just can't leave out all the time because of crowds and also because of the possible graphic nature of them. They bring those out, vehicles, different things, whatnot. Park reopens at 6.30. However, if you have a day park ticket and you are in the park before 5 p.m. when they close, you can stay in an area. We call them holding areas, but they call them scream early. And it's just corrals, basically. There's usually, there's, you know, a couple in the park, different areas. There's three this year. And you, which one do I go to? Well, you decide which houses you would like to visit first. And then you go in the corresponding holding area. So what that does for you, if you're in one of those, is a lot of times they will open those houses earlier and you can get a couple of houses done before the general gates even open. So it's um, basically rope dropping for the Disney folks. It's rope yeah, dropping. Like the, the, the one night we did it, the stranger things house was open. They opened it at five fifteen, So we were wow. in and out of that and dueling dragons. I mean, and off to the back of the park before they even opened the gates and stuff. So you, you can really get a lot if that's what your priorities are. If your priorities are to hang out with a bunch of friends, catch the shows, just kind of take in the atmosphere, which is also completely legitimate, then maybe you want to wait a little bit and let the, the crowds kind of flow in and then come in a little later, which is really nice to be able to do this year because the event starts at 630, runs all the way to 2 a.m. all nights of the event this year. And, and so from 6.30 to 2 a.m., if you really want to and you're maximizing your time, you can expect, is it fair to expect to get all 10 houses done in one night? It's going to depend on the night. It's going to depend okay. on if you have Express. It's going to depend, 
you know, if you utilize the scream early zones and you're willing to wait in line, could you? Yes. Um, you really need to have some strategy, especially this year. I heard that, so we've had two full weekends of the event so far this year that people with express were getting through an average of five to seven houses on the weekends. Probably a little easier during the week. The event will run on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, most weeks. And so, to, to touch on that really quickly, the the Express Pass lets you skip the line, right? Well, not exactly. It puts you in a shorter line. It's up to okay. they figure up to about fifty percent of the wait time you save if you have Express. If you want to skip the line, there is another option called an RIP tour. And that you truly do go to the front of the line. If you do an RIP tour, you're going to see all 10 houses, maybe some of them more than once, depending on your group. What what kind of cost are we talking about for the Express and then the RIP tour? So what I'm seeing this year, Express, most nights is, or actually I think every single night that I've looked at it, has been more than the cost of the event ticket. So Express would be an add-on. Same thing with the RIP tours. It's You have to have your event admission and then you can be in an RIP tour it depends on the night if it's a weekend it's going to cost more I don't have the it varies so I'm let's say between like 300 and some dollars in upwards depending on there's two different types of RIP tours and it's RIP like VIP but RIP what's um, a ticket cost anyways just to get in like what's uh, they, they they're about a hundred dollars they, they're starting at and it, it, again, it varies holidays. Saturday nights are usually the busiest nights. There are also multi-night tickets that you can get different kinds of, I guess you would call them annual passes, but depending on what time or how much time you have to allocate to the event, but there's a, a private RIP tour and there's a non-private, the non-private, you go through all 10 houses and they take you according to your guides, a plan. If you have a private tour, you get to decide what you want to see and when. If you want to go through Stranger Things five times in a row, you absolutely can. So those are going to be a little bit more expensive. But when you look at the price of Express some of the nights, it's upwards of $300. You know, get your group together and uh, an RIP tour might actually be a much better value. Well, one of the things that we we talk about on the, the travel agent side of things when we're dealing with guests is that there's usually a lot of benefits for staying at particular hotels when it comes to visiting Universal, whether it be the Express Pass for rides, which is a little different than, you know, what we're talking about with Halloween Horror Nights. Are there any, you know, be hotel benefits or any strategies that you can, you know, tell listeners or that you share with your guests of where to stay when they're coming to this particular event to try and maximize and save some money possibly? Yeah, and it's great for the strategy, too, because there is a dedicated entrance for on-site hotel guests. And not a lot of people know about that. And that will get you in a lot quicker, especially if you're not already in the park and you just want to kind of scoot in. It's a lot better that way. For staying on-site, the two hotels that I would recommend would be Cabana Bay. And the reason why is they have every year they have done a little extra at Cabana Bay. This year, it's it's like a, a Chucky's-themed experience. Hard Rock's another yeah. one that's a really good one just because it's right there. It's really close. You're going to you're going to walk a lot of steps, so it's nice to to uh, aside from like the being close just close by and having the separate entrance, do you get any of the express benefits for the horror nights with any of the resort hotels? No. That's that's okay. an additional. It's like at Volcano Bay, it's an additional add-on. Nice. Okay. That's interesting. 
so is there any like houses you don't recommend for like with kids like is there anything like maybe over the top all I mean, of them oh, <laughs> yeah there's usually well, maybe, maybe it's the other end. maybe what what are your what are the, like the the mild ones compared to uh, yeah like where where would you start like say you've got a, a child that hits that fringe age where you started bringing your kids at 10 to 13 mm-hmm. you know they're interested where would you have a four-year-old man <laughs> yeah that gets scared <laughs> Yeah. Where where would you like recommend to a first time guest to start? You know, I would actually exposure? recommend starting to go through the park in the daylight, like on a non-event day, so that they can kind of see the scare zones because they start building these scare zones a couple of months ahead, and you see them kind of come together. And you know, they do cover up some things during the day, but if you take a child in there and they're kind of a little freaked out by that, then maybe it's not a good idea. Also, another really cool thing that you could do to kind of test them out is go into the tribute store. The tribute store for Halloween Horror Nights, every it's going to be a little spooky. It's Every year it's going to be a little bit different. But I can remember a couple of years ago, my daughter, even the tribute store was a little too much for her. So we're like, yeah, no, t- this is not the year. Yeah. So. The, the, but by scare zones also, for anybody that's not familiar, I assume that's the areas where... Uh, you can be scared by actors that are walking around, right? That's right. The scares outside of the houses are um, kept to what they call scare zones. And anytime you're anywhere outside a scare zone, <laughs> you can consider that a safe zone or a place where you can kind of catch a breather or whatever. But if you're in a scare zone, you know, you um, they, they're going to try to, you know, jump scare you somehow. Or it's really neat. There's lots of cool things going on. A lot of times it involves fire and um, stage shows. Sometimes it's it is it's it's like being in it it's very involved one thing that my wife asked me when we were talking about going this october was can they touch you absolutely not okay so i I think that's that's a huge huge benefit for somebody that you know this seems pretty intense for even for adults but knowing that they can't touch you kind of always gives you that kind of feeling to go back to like this is not real you know kind of thing but it's still clearly an intense experience yeah, it's immersive, but it's completely safe. You don't have to sign any waivers. Yeah, no, they're not going to do anything to you. As a lawyer, I love the waivers. Do you have any insider uh, tips for parents attending with kids to make most of their night? Like, if maybe there are like kids, let's say my my kids say after two houses are like done, and I know you mentioned stage shows. Can you kind of go into those? Like, what what's all titled in those? I mean, it depends on the year. This year, there's just one called Nightmare Fuel, and it's it's a lot of kind of acrobatics and fire it's (laughs) but anywhere outside of the scare zones would be a place where you know if they're they're getting a little too overwhelmed you you can do that maybe hit some rides you could use the 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 child swap if they're like yeah i'm I'm happy to be here but i don't want to go any more houses so can you still swap between um universal and islands of adventure like when the party's going on if you have the halloween event tickets can you go back and forth? You could leave a universal. You'd have to go out and around. You wouldn't be able to take the train over. Um, but then, yeah, you could come back as long as islands is open. They do generally stay open about eight or nine o'clock, depending on the night. So you, you could. Okay. And I, I just think like with a lot with teens, sometimes they just want to go off and do their own thing anyway. So maybe the adults can spend some time at horror nights and the teens can go to Islands of Adventure and mm-hmm. or ride some of the rides like the Mommy and Men in Black, like you mentioned. You know, I think everybody these days when it comes to Universal loves talking about Harry Potter. 
one of the coolest things I've seen posted on social media is, is they're bringing in the Death Eaters. Is there anything else like Harry Potter specific going on at Halloween Horror Nights or is it mostly just kind of the Death Eaters walking around and kind of that dark arts area of Harry Potter? Yeah, lots of fog and green lights, basically. It, it's been a lot of years coming that they've been trying to, but I know that the being that it's an intellectual property, I know they're very protective of it and they don't want to be directly associated with Halloween Horror Nights because they want to keep it family friendly. But yeah, it is really cool. And once it's dark and you see the Death Eaters and the green lights and stuff, it, it's really neat. Awesome. So for, for families that you have, you know, as guests at the Magic for Less going for the first time, what are your, some of your recommendations for managing like the wait times and the lines and, and things like that? Aside from, you know, the, the paying up for Express or the RIP tour, how would you kind of tell them to navigate, you know, their houses or, or whatever the shows are? Yeah. Like I mentioned before, I would definitely utilize the holding areas at the beginning to try to get some out of the way. And then as the crowds, you know, everybody comes in, they're, they're excited. They're going right to the houses. Sometimes it's a good idea to take a break and do a show, grab something to eat, and then maybe come back at some houses a little bit later in the evening when, you know, people come in, they do their thing and then they leave. Being that the event is open till 2 a.m., if you're willing to wait it out, you usually can get a few done at the end of the night, just like you can at the beginning of the night. And it's a, it's a little less little less time standing in line, you know, than if you just wait in line all night long. And I would also recommend making sure that you have drinks. It's still Florida. It's still it's really hot down here. Still, yeah, with the real feel, we're still hitting over 100 degrees most days stay hydrated. Are there a lot of drink and food options in Universal or do you see a lot of guests bouncing out to the city walk for that kind of thing and then coming back in? Yeah, no, not actually the last few years. The They've really upped their food game and it is becoming more of a draw in and of itself from the food items themselves. Iconic for Halloween Horror Nights are the pizza fries, which are, I'm not really a fan of, but everybody loves the pizza fries, twisted taters, all kinds of things. They have a pizza skull and all kinds of stuff. And they have new things every year. They theme them to the houses. There's a, a can, if you are a Last of Us fan, they have a like a Fedra can and it has like ravioli in it. And it's like a, it's, it's very neat, very, very highly themed. They even have highly, the bars now, they have different bars for the different areas with special drinks if you like it. But they have definitely, with all their events, not just Halloween Horror Nights, the food part of it has gotten much better and people are staying in the parks to try different and, options. And I think that's like the biggest struggle. You know, we, we get a lot of guests that are coming from the Disney experience and they're used to making ADRs. And a lot of the questions that they tend to ask when they head to Universal is like, where do I eat? And like, how do I make reservations? And do I need to be in the park or which park and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's nice to hear that there's like more things that you can recommend and, and more food and drink options that are happening at these events. Certainly. Definitely. Definitely more now than in the earlier years. It's gotten a lot better. What are the guidelines for like costumes? No costumes. Costumes are not allowed at all. Safety is their first priority. And bringing costumes into such a dark event like this, it, it could be unsafe. So you sure. can wear like the, you know, the little light up horns or light up necklaces or people will come. I guess you would call it bounding. Like, you know, Beetlejuice, for example, with, you know, the black and white stripes and the green and, and different things. But yes, no actual costumes, definitely nothing covering your face, no accessories that could remotely be construed as like a weapon 
anything like that. And there are lots of Orange County sheriffs all over the place. They're, they really try to, I mean, I've been going a long time and I've never had a problem. I want to talk, you know, about your past experience with Halloween Horror Nights and some of your favorite houses and things. But let, let's, I want to talk historically too, kind of your all-time favorite houses. But with respect to this year in particular, The Last of Us is a huge IP draw. Stranger Things is a huge IP draw. I mean, I, I think those are the two main, the ones that stuck out to me just as a fan of those shows. But for you in particular, what were your favorite houses? Do you have like a top three this year? And, and, do, do the lines reflect the, you know, the hierarchy of the IP and things like that? Yeah, the IP houses, definitely Stranger Things and Last of Us are the two biggest draws. And that's what they use the IPs for. And funnily, they have Stranger Things in one corner and they have, you know, Last of Us in the other. And they're very wise to do it that way to keep the crowd spread out. I like the IPs. I think I like the originals better, generally. I, I'm Ooh. a huge Stranger Things fan. And we just finished watching season four with my daughter for the first time and she's getting ready for this year <laughs> and i just yeah i love stranger things but i'm gonna what, i think overall my favorites are probably going to be originals which of the originals would be your favorites over like got, all time well let's talk about this year in particular like if you if you could only if holly could only go through one house that's not ip I guess you'd throw Chucky in the IP category too, but yep. which of the originals would you say, this is my favorite house? Oh goodness. It's really difficult this year because this is a really super strong year. Now, uh, us Halloween Horror Nights, the, you know, the, all of us nerds, we get excited every year and we think, oh, it's going to be good. This year is a super, super strong year and it's like one through nine and then ten's a little bit further off. So, but let me think, you like them for different reasons. There's a Dueling Dragons house this year. It's not really a very scary house, but it is a beautiful house. And it is their first house that's ever been based on a ride. If, you know, I don't know if you remember way back in the day before Harry Potter came to Islands of Adventure, there was a Dueling Dragons roller coaster. And so that's, that's a pretty, that's a nerdy favorite there. I just seeing things that I haven't seen in years was very, very cool. And I love park park specific IP like or park history related stuff. I think is nostalgic and and Absolutely. certainly you know I, I think everybody loves that kind of thing for sure. Was the was the dueling dragons like fire and ice? Yeah, yep. Blizzard and fire. I, I, I wrote it. I remember doing that. I remember yep. riding that. <laughs> yep. The four IP rides or houses in particular: Stranger Things, The Exorcist, The Last of Us, and Chucky. Which of those four was your favorite? Well, I mean, part of me has to go with Stranger Things because I think they did a really good job. I think everybody wanted to see a certain scene and it's there. And But was it the best of the four? I, I don't know. It's so hard. It's early in the season yet. You'll have to, if you ask me again at the later, it, it might change. I am not a gamer. I don't know Last of Us. I did not watch the show. However, I did watch a 20-minute <laughs> synopsis of it. My son told me you need to watch a playthrough well it was like 11 hours i'm like i don't have 11 hours yeah. but that was it it was really cool if you're a last of us fan if you play the game uh, as i understand it there are things in there that are going to make you lose your mind because apparently when you play the game there's certain things you pick up that they will have those in the house that's not oh, something i would notice cool. it was very cool so the exorcist believer that movie's not even out yet right it comes out october 6th I got to tell you, just looking at the photo on the website of that one, 
<laughs> it made me a little uncomfortable. I'm going to have to say that that's the one that was the creepiest house that I have seen this year there. It was extremely creepy. And I don't know if I want to watch the movie. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I genuinely, but, uh, you know, I just, mm -mm. Holly, when, when we started recording, I was like, I can pull these, these up so I can show the viewers on YouTube. And I, I genuinely, I was wondering, I don't know if I should show the exorcist photo on, on the YouTube channel. It's the whole point is it's enough to make me feel a little creepy and uncomfortable just by looking at it. So I I'll save everybody. The, I can only watch the original one in daylight. I can't watch it. <laughs> You're not alone. There are so many people that feel that way so how do, how does hollywood studio plan to evolve like halloween horror nights like obviously they're they're starting to get in the ip where do you think that goes like where do you see in the next five years and and, and I, kind of another question off earlier how many of the original houses are still there i mean they they will repeat houses here and there but none of the the originals i mean okay. Yeah, they, they generally do new ones every single year. Every once in a while, they'll bring a version of one back, more so with the IPs than the originals. They've done like Texas Chainsaw Massacre a couple of times, you know, Halloween, the original. They've done different versions of the different movies of that series, stuff like that. Well, those have 900 movies of everything. <laughs> so they have a lot to choose from and whatever. So, yeah, so do, they, do they do a Saul one? I'm a big Saul guy. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. It was <laughs> it was early on in my Halloween Horror Nights career, and it was the bloodiest thing I had ever seen. Yes. It, it was it, it makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a very strong like startle reflex, so I'm walking through the houses looking at everything, and yeah, like oh, how'd they do that? And it's it's yeah, that was a an especially gory one. And, and it won't it shock you. They're they're coming out with another Saw movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Isn't there like thirty five like, now? I, I mean, I I, I, I I don't even I think know. I think it's ten or eleven now. I can't. I feel like I, I was even. watching those when I was in high school, and I'm like, they, they Matt, just, we were <laughs> just just stick a fork in it. It's like yeah. that series is done. Um, but but as far it, as where it, they're going, I I don't know. I'd have to. I mean, if we'd have to get Mike Aiello and. And Blake Broswell on on and ask them. Do you, I don't know. Do you think that it, it ever incorporates into Epic Universe? I mean, or do you think it stays where it is? I, I don't think it's going to go to Epic. And the reason I think that, I mean, I would love for it. I mean, because you think, oh, the classic monsters area is going to be perfect for that. But the reason I, I mean, granted, I know nothing. But the reason I would say no is because of the layout of that park and going into the different lands. It's it's, you know, like, so in Islands of Adventure, you just walk around and you're, oh, you're in one land. Now you're in the next land. But at Epic, there's going to be portals that you go through. And I don't know as far as crowd control, how they would utilize that. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Maybe. I think just, just from a financial perspective, they, they don't need it is the biggest thing. You know, yeah. they're not going to need it to draw people at Epic Universe for a long time, I'm sure. So it's it just makes more sense to to keep it at the older parks, I think. I don't know what Go they're ahead. gonna do. I mean, we're up to forty five nights this year, and it's 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 stays very 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 busy. So it is the premier Halloween event in in the world. It, it's it's got a cult following too, which I which I kind of love about it. You know, one of the first things I noticed about you, Holly, after we met, was that you were very into the announcements. I mean, and, and so are a lot of people like the way that they, that universal teases the announcements, the way that they bring out the houses and kind of leak out little information. I mean, it, it really is something that people get really excited about. Yeah. And I think it's a really fun and unique event. I, you know, 
for the the Disney centric folks or folks with younger kids, let's talk a little bit about the, the the difference. I think obviously is the age demographic that Mickey's Not So Scary is is centered for, and Halloween Horror Nights is centered for. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Are there any are there any similarities or or anything like that that people can pull from as to what to expect when going to these events? I mean, to me, it just seems that they're completely opposite. Yeah, they're not. Only thing that's the same is they're both around the fall. <laughs> <laughs> so Holly, when when it comes to Universal, I think a lot of our guests um, at the Magic for Less and, and some of our listeners they they like to go to Universal at, for a couple of days after or before a trip to Disney. I think that's a really common way we see people kind of format their vacation. Do you have any recommendations for someone that wants to go for two days at Halloween Horror Nights and maybe three to five days at, at Walt Disney World? And I'm thinking in particular, like a lot of times we see folks that when they go to their two days at Universal, they'll just Uber over from their Disney Resort. Is that something that you recommend or are you a big proponent of the Universal Hotels and the benefits that they have there? Yeah, well, it was, it's going to depend on what their their priorities are for the event. If they're able to spend two nights at the event, I think that's great. I would recommend staying on site only because it's it's there and you're done. <laughs> then you're, you're home as opposed to having to go, you know, and then fighting the crowds. Uh, it can be horrendous going down I-4 or even just getting out of the parking garages at Universal, jumping on a little water taxi and heading back to your hotel is it's, it's a lot more convenient and you're, you're going to be tired at the end of this. If, if, if you did it right, you're going to be tired. Being able to walk back to your hotel is always the, always the best scenario there. Yeah. I think the question I got is we're a family of six, soon to be seven. Where can we stay? Well, you know, Universal has several hotels that have kids suites where you can even build on them. They can have like the main bedroom for the, the parents and then the secondary bedroom, which there is no door that goes out into the hallway. So that's a nice safety thing. I never liked when my kids were really little knowing that they had a door, even if it had a little, I just, yeah, not good. So you can do that. And you can even, depending on which hotel, you can add a third room or a fourth or there's different setups to accommodate larger families there and get, the, get you all together all the way from the values up into the premieres, depending on what your price range is, you can find accommodations that will hold larger families. What would you recommend for first timers that want to go in groups? Like say there's, you know, a group of three to seven that want to go. Are there any specific tips that you have for larger groups going to Halloween Horror Nights for the first time? I mean, I would recommend at least looking at the option of doing the RIP tour because you're going to get more time to just kind of hang out with your friends while you're doing everything. But going in a group is always a fun idea because if you are waiting in a line, if you're not doing an RIP tour or you're in, in you know, a, a longer express line or a, a regular line, you've got people to talk to people to, you know, kind of hang out with. So let, let's talk quickly about the RIP tour because it's something that you've done. And I, I know that you were really excited to, to do it. Kind of give us the general overview of what the RIP tour entails. I think you mentioned that you can do private or non-private, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But what, what, what can you expect from that experience as a whole? So you're going to, when you get to Universal Studios, the night of your RIP tour, you check in at the um, VIP kiosk and then they have like a little, I'm going to call it a reception for lack of a better term, but it's, it's some, you know, it's food and drinks. You can kind of hang out. You can sit down. It's kind of a nice chill environment. You're out of the heat. 
you're out of the, the chaos of the crowds that are first coming in. And then when it's time for, you know, you've got your universal likes to call them your scream squad. When you've got all your people together and ready to go, you're, you get an RIP guide and your group will be no more than 12, I think all together. So it's going to be 12 or smaller. Your RIP tour guide is going to give you some background on the houses and tell you kind of what is the story that's going on as you go through the house. So it puts it in context, which is really kind of cool. So if, especially if you, <laughs> if you're not a nerd, like some people in this room <laughs> and you don't know, like, like the backstories and everything, you don't know what's going on. It, putting it in context can really elevate your experience. So you're going to do that. Your IRP tour guide is going to bring you along. You're going to cut the entire line, go in, go through the house and back out the guide. If it's up to the group, it's up to the RIP tour guide. They'll stop for drinks. They'll, you can go to shows, you get priority seating at the shows and you'll do a, an actual break about halfway through. So everybody can get off their feet and, you know, get in, in the air conditioning and stuff. And then you do the second half of the houses. And then once you're done with that, you have express pass for the rest of the night for the, you know, to go on the rides and stuff. If you have a private RIP tour, you get to call the shots. You, whatever your priorities are, you can, like we were saying before, if you want to go through Stranger Things four times in a row, you absolutely can. On a non-private tour, it's still very, very, very cool, but they're going to take you through each of the houses once in, um, depending on if the group wants to do a show or whatnot and whatever else is going on through the scare zones, give you the information, the food, the drinks. There's a bar that's dedicated this year just for RIP groups, and you have access to it the entire night, not just during your tour. It's the the Peacock Bar. It's over by behind Lombards. If you're familiar with that area, okay. So, it, is so, that like unlimited? Like, you, or do you pay per drink? Is it you gotta pay bar? for the drinks there? Um, okay. In yeah, it's yeah. Additional additional cost. That so, part is the food and stuff so, is included. But. The the non-private, so you basically get to go through all the houses with your VIP tour guide or RIP tour guide, and then they they fall off and you're on your own with your express pass. With the private tour, do you get the the tour guide for as long as you want, or is there kind of a set time to it? Or do you know that? I believe they work, I'm gonna say till 12 or 1230. Don't quote me on that. And it changes, it can be it can change every year or whatnot. But for whatever amount of time you have them, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Well, we've talked a little bit about, I think, every aspect of Halloween Horror Nights at this point. But one of the, the key things I want to ask you is, what are some of the common mistakes that you see for people that go for the first time or even people that, you know, kind of go second, third or are veterans? What are some of the mistakes that you see? I think that some of the mistakes that I see the most are people not allocating enough time thinking that they're just going to roll up and be able to see all the houses and not really knowing that, you know, how popular of event and event this has become. It's, it's gotten extremely big and popular and busy and all the things. Also people not preparing for it being Florida. They think, well, it's going to be at night, you know, it's a night event and it is a night event, but it starts at six 30 and the sun doesn't set or really go down all the way until you know, what, 7.30, 8.30 or so, depending, you know, when it, till it gets dark, dark. And even when it does get dark, it stays warm. It stays real humid. We get frequent, frequent rain. You know, it is hurricane season. So, you know, getting soaked 
can kind of put a <laughs> damper on your night really <laughs> quick. <laughs> um, those are probably some of the, the biggest mistakes that I see. I see people, and also I see people um, not just enjoying what they see because they're too busy. And I think you see, we see this with all the theme parks. People want to do, 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 and they forget to just kind of slow down a little bit and enjoy the event itself. Are there any well, character photo ops or anything like that? Yeah, the scare zones, you can get all kinds of, you know, okay. meet and greets, I guess you would call them <laughs> in, in a way. But yeah. Is there anybody like any like, or is it just random? David S. Pumpkins is there this year. Usually, I don't want to say usually, a lot of years they do have a character dining experience. This year they didn't do it. That is a really fun way to be able to have some kind of more you know, intimate meetings with different characters from the different houses and stuff like in a, in a smaller setting, but they didn't do it this year. I think there's a lot going on in the studios. Mel's is closed right now and they did it in Louis last year and it didn't really work out well. With respect to kind of the wait times that we've talked about a little bit, and I know it varies whether you go on a Saturday or you go during the week, uh, but I, I guess what kind of wait times can people expect for, you know, stranger things if they're not, you know, in the, the queue right when it opens if you if you roll up like say an hour after it starts what what kind of wait times are we talking about are we talking about hours or yeah, yeah? yep 90 well, like, minutes like, 180 sometimes and it will it'll go up 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 and then toward the end of the night it'll start to come back down i mean in in, in theory <laughs> i mean as soon as you say that and then it doesn't but generally it things will start to die off you know about 12 30 or so that last people are done they've had it they've if you hang around till two you generally can get a little bit shorter times but yeah it is not uncommon on a saturday night especially to see two three hour waits for the bigger houses wow. so yeah what, what, building off that like one of the biggest tips you see with disney especially on social media is you know, the, the party days at Mickey's Not So Scary Party are a great day to go to Magic Kingdom during the day mm -hmm. because the people that are coming to the party at night aren't coming to that park in the morning. So you can sometimes get on more rides and have lower weights and a less crowded park. Is there any of that kind of experience at Universal where, you know, on the night that there's a Halloween party, you ha can have some advantages to, you know, getting lower wait times or lo less crowds? Not really, unless you get kind of into the mid to later afternoon on the day of an event. And the biggest reason for that is, is that most people that go to Universal are going to have that park to park ticket. So they might hit the studios earlier in the day and then shoot over to islands if they're not going to Halloween Horror Nights. So as people start to go over there, it kind of slows down a little bit. But for the entire day, no, no. Do you see a lot of local crowds too at, at Halloween Horror Nights? Yeah, it's a huge local draw. Yes. There's a lot of haunt events in Orlando. Yeah, Orlando loves them. What's your what's your must do? Like what's your top like? And I know it's 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 you specific versus or what's your recommendation to first time? What's their must do? They gotta do it. <sighs> oh, I gotta pick one thing. If uh, I had I'll, I'll give you I'll give you two or three. Let's do two or three. <laughs> if I had to choose like if I had to absolutely choose between doing the event itself and doing the unmasking the horror tour, I personally would do the unmasking the horror tour. That's me because I love the detail, the artistry, the create uh, art and design at universal. They're next level bonkers. They are so amazing. And there's things that if you are attending the event and you're going through 
the houses you will never ever see because you just don't have the time you don't have the light and you know you're busy screaming your your brains out or whatever and it's just crazy the level of detail that they put in them and i really enjoy that if i were a first-time person going one thing that i would tell them to not miss that could get overlooked very easily would be to definitely take five ten minutes or more and go into the tribute store the tribute store is really cool it's unique i think if you're coming from disney you don't what is a tribute store you really don't know what it is and it's something that started a few years ago with halloween horror nights they made a store kind of as an offshoot, just a little extra thing they did. And it really caught on. And now they do them for Christmas and Mardi Gras. And they did a Jurassic Park one this summer that I think you saw it. Yeah, it was amazing. I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with it. It's more than just a store. It's it really they really do pay tribute to certain things. For example, this year's Halloween Horror Nights tribute store. It's the theme is a New York City comic book store. But so you go into the comic book store, but then you step into the comic itself. And it's, you know, it's almost like a little mini haunted house without it really being haunted. And and you can buy stuff. (laughs) But yeah, the the tribute store is something unique to Universal that I would definitely say is is not to be missed. The Jurassic Park one was an an experience. I mean, for anybody that was a fan of those movies and like seeing the way that they set up some of the scenes, it it certainly wasn't just a place to pop in and get merchandise. I mean, it was pretty, pretty fantastic. Um. With respect to the unmasking the horror tour, I don't think we got a chance to talk about that. And I, I don't have a lot of experience with it. Tell us a little bit about that and what it is. Okay. So unmasking the horror is a tour that you can do during Halloween horror nights season, but the lights are on. There's no characters in the house. So nobody's going to be jumping out at you. You get an RIP tour guide, same thing, groups of 12 or less. And they walk you through these houses with the lights up. And they will explain the lore, the creation of the houses, you know, some of the the gags in the houses, how they accomplished some of the special effects, all kinds of really interesting information. And you will go either through six or three houses. I did the six house tour this year. I kind of want to do the three house tour as well, but we'll see. So it's your traditional behind the scenes, how it's made, all of that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Very cool. Does that include any of the the tickets to actual Halloween Horror Nights? I I assume that's during the day before the the actual event, right? Yeah, because this uh, the six house tour is about five hours long. The three house tour is going to be about two and a half hours, and uh, yeah, they do it. They have to do it before the events start. So it's usually going to be like a if it's a six house, it's going to be kind of early in the morning, um, and you know up to about noontime for the three house, depending on you. You pick a time slot and then you show up at your time and get checked in and they give you the little earbuds and a little thing clip on your belt and so that you can hear because one of the best things about this is they don't really hurry you that's not like you know when you're going through the event you pretty much keep moving during the unmasking the horror you can stop and look everywhere and you can take pictures oh cool of most things they'll let you know yep this is a camera's down area where this is cameras up and you can take all kinds of pictures and and stuff and so speaking of that i what are the photography rules and the recording rules at halloween horror nights you can record anything you want in the scare zones out in the the common areas i guess in the park itself there's no cameras no recording at all in the houses if you want to see walkthroughs of the houses there are 
your media event and they're allowed to film walkthroughs. So you can see that, but you and I going into the houses, general population, we cannot film anything. One, it's not safe. It's not safe for us, for the people behind us, for the characters and to just, be, you know, it would slow everything down. So, so I have a question. It's kind of more, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I, I'm a Google maps person. So I get on Google maps when I look at look at the look at the park, and it's not going to show the houses. Where are the houses at? Like where where do they build them compared to like everything else? Well, you have to remember that Universal Studios is a working studio, so and they are still filming commercials and shows and different things there. Our RAP tour guide made sure to tell us at least three times that like Sharknado three was filmed and part of it was they flooded this area <laughs> and all this stuff. But yeah, it is a working studio. So they have sound stages, okay. but they don't just use the sound stages. If the side of the park over behind like the Simpsons and over behind kind of off to the side of men in black, they have, they call them hurricane tents and because they can withstand a hurricane in or sprung houses, some people call them, but they keep a couple of those too as as the events grown and they've kind of they're using up all the sound stages wow so that's why that's, you can't that's... see them <laughs> they're hidden in plain sight makes sense so i i think that's going to wrap it up for this episode if you have any comments or questions don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media or via email i can be found at at adventures of a disney dad chip where can people find you on social media at chip robinson on x and then robinson dad life on instagram Holly, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all your expertise and lay of the land on Halloween Horror Nights. Where can folks find you on social media? Well, you can find me at Holly Ever After on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, although I don't hang out on Facebook. I do hang out on Instagram and at over at the Magic for Less Travel. And if you're interested in having Holly or I assist you in planning your next Universal or Disney vacation, please feel free to reach out to us. All of the links to get a free quote from the Magic for Less Travel from Holly or myself are in the show notes. Our services are free to you, and we'd love to help you plan your next dream vacation to Disney or Universal Studios. If you have a moment, you can follow, subscribe, like, and review this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. We would greatly appreciate the support. The support so far has been overwhelming, and we really appreciate it. We know you have a lot of choices when it comes to the content that you consume, and we hope that this episode brightened your day, even though it's a horrific topic. Thank you for spending some time with us, and we will see you next time.